Open Science Podcast. I'm Zoe Ingram. And I'm Luisa Bengtsson. And we're broadcasting to you from Berlin, Germany. Today we're talking to Alex Schor. He is a CEO and co-founder of DEIP. Um, it's an open innovation network company promising to aid open science, open innovation. Or aid collaboration and introduce a merit-based multi-dimensional rewards and incentive system. Yes. And yeah, well, let, let's let Alex tell us all about it. My name is Alex. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I'm CEO and founder of uh, DEIP. It's a startup which is working on um, reinventing how the uh, research and innovation workflows are uh, present and how they're developed and how they're advanced. So we are developing a new ecosystem for open science and in open innovation. Uh, I'm myself tech entrepreneur. And before this company, I was CTO and co-owner of uh, uh, IT service company for six years. And two and a half years ago, I left, uh, sold the shares of that company and invested into uh, DAP. So now we're working on, on this project for already two years and a half and already have pretty good progress and pretty significant achievements. Okay. So now, of course, we want to know what um, DAP is. Yeah, sure. So... Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, I'm happy to elaborate more. So DAP, uh, uh, I'll tell you a bit more about why I even started to work on this problem. I, I myself, distributed systems architect is my specialty. So in, and I, I, I've been designing distributed systems, like very complex ones, for more than 10 years, 10 years already. And, uh, and I always uh, was wondering, like, why so many talented people, like, why so many innovators are struggling to deliver their breakthrough to the society, to deliver it to the market, to deliver it to the industry. And when they have like such a beautiful idea, such a beautiful innovation, invention, why it's so hard to break through, why it's so hard to make this happen. And uh, I started to analyze this problem and just realized it's a root problem here, which is uh, uh, root problem for also for a scientific enterprise, for an innovation enterprise, for inventions, is that um, the most uh, prominent research, the most prominent innovation, the most prominent invention uh, is very hard to assess uh, because it, it, it's exactly because it's breakthrough. So it's only minority of people on the domain expert can recognize it. They uh, to in order to understand the quality and potential of these research, innovation, invention, you really need to be an expert. You really need to have a deep expertise. And that's why it's so hard to break through. And usually those who hold this expertise, those who have this expertise and who can recognize that not, not necessary decision makers, that not necessary uh, hold a capital, they not necessarily allocate this capital. It usually, usually they do their own uh, things and, and they spend just some time, some time uh, to review others if they ask for. But still, it's a huge problem. And in order to find such an expert, you also need uh, 
it's like chicken egg problem. Even to find this expert, you need another expert who will just suggest you who is an expert in this field. So it's very, very complex problem. And it leads to inefficiency of a, of a review process in, in science. It leads to inefficiency of review pro- process in uh, technological companies, uh, in uh, venture capital. And we see a lot of scam of fake uh, papers of misconduct in science. Uh, and all these problems have a root problem, which I just described. So, and I st- realized that in order to help all these innovators uh, to deliver uh, their innovation, their like research, their, their breakthrough to society, I need to solve this exact problem. So I started to work on this and uh, we, with my team created, uh, yeah, I gathered a very good team on, of tech people, mathematicians, scientists, and uh, uh, researchers, uh, data scientists, uh, distributed systems architects. And we started to think on it and we created a concept which we call decentralized assessment system, uh, which basically is a tool to communicate this knowledge from expert to anyone else in a very explicit, quantified way. Uh, And uh, this is basically a system which allows to source consensus among the main experts and um, communicated in a in a in a way of uh, composite indexes. Um, so this is a technology which is a core one for our open research and innovation network, which is actually a blockchain protocol, which implements uh, this assessment system and allows uh, the system to be owned by everyone, not just by any central entity, which is very important for such technology. Alex, just because I'm trying to grasp the concept now, and I'm not data scientist, so yeah. I'm um, so I'm so um, I was just thinking, okay, uh, because this is one of the critiques of of the scientific system we have in general is that basically people go for low hanging fruits, and there's not so much like really new ideas coming because mm-hmm. you basically not so much because you don't have experts who are able to see that, but mm-hmm. it's more that. You have to show that you will succeed with something before you get a grant that you can do yeah. it. And of course, you cannot, you know, succeed with basically really. I mean, you cannot show that you will definitely yeah. deliver a new, like, you know, new thing. And this is really viable and the impact will be there and so on and so on. So if I understand correctly, um, so you, you're talking about there's, uh, there are very few people who understand the really breakthrough ideas. And now... How does the blockchain help that? Like, on, maybe on an example. First of all, like blockchain is just it, one of technology we use. So it's it's a it's a very powerful technology, but it's not several bullets. So it has specific uh, issues it addresses within a system. And uh, if if we like uh, simplify it, it just addresses a, an issue of transparency and traceability of the data. Uh, and um, what we have uh, within a system that algorithm produces an index of uh, subjective quality sourced by uh, from experts and blockchain provides a full transparency and traceability of how this uh, score has been built uh, because it's built not, not only on the review of this expert but it also uh, built on the uh, every review is also weighted with a um, previous track record of if a reviewer so if reviewer has a significant track record in the similar field uh, his or her review gonna be weighted more and gonna be uh, 
more powerful uh, for the algorithm. So algorithm will tell, take it more into account. So basically, it's just about making the, the open peer review documented on blockchain because then you can see exactly how this waiting came, mm-hmm. comes along, right? Come, comes about and the the CV of the expert. So everything is really transparent, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the idea behind so, it. Okay. Yeah. If we simplify it very, yeah, that's, that's the idea. So we register everything and then we use these data points to produce these scores and the scores also used in future to adjust the weights of, of a review. Mm-hmm. And how do you get reviewers for that? I mean, do people do people engage in that? Yeah, like so people are, are people willing to participate in yeah. such exercise? We, as a company, we provide the technology. So we decided that we're going to work mostly on a build B2B market. So we uh, provide the technology to uh, companies or organizations or nonprofits who need such a system and who already have uh, a community of either reviewers or um, experts who, who can provide this review. But also because it's a network, uh, all these communities, all these platforms are interconnected. So we, we basically, uh, it allows to connect all these data points into one uh, distributed ledger, um, okay. if, you, if you got what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm missing um, something concrete in there. To be honest, I don't. I I would like an example so I can follow through. Okay, there's someone. They're an innovator. They have a breakthrough idea, and then. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Let, let me let let me also like I can give you an example, but it will be also more high level because, as I said, like we provide uh, technology for uh, for for companies, so we like more work as a B2B model. So, but I will give you a more concrete example. Let's say you have uh, a company like uh, or organization which has a uh, uh, preprint archive, uh, like uh, bi- uh, like archive or just archive, and 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 you want to introduce open peer review within a system. So we come and we provide this technology. So basically, this connects this repository to the network, and then all the reviews produced within this archive are uh, are coming to to the network. And these data points are used to produce these indexes. Uh, but it's not necessary that it's only repository. It could be uh, a grants management system which will connect this, uh, this technology. It could be a journal. It could be open innovation platform uh, which will use this technology. Mm-hmm. But that assumes that people, I mean, that the, the idea of the openness is adopted by the organization. Basically, yes. that's that plugs into this technology, right? Because, for yes. example, for grants reviews, usually uh, the the reviewers are anonymous or yeah. in, let's say, so normal. It, I mean, it, yeah. yeah. And but openness, you know, like it's like in fair data. Openness does not necessarily mean that it's um, public, uh, all the data public. Uh, so we use the concept of verifiable credentials when you basically can have a verifiable credentials of your participation in the review process. Of a specific funding opportunity, uh, with a kind of your which proves your track record, but it not necessarily should be revealed to be public. But you can use these verifiable credentials to verify your uh, score. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is oh, okay. So this is kind of like a principle of a in a way of a of a biobank as well. So you get the data which you know is like 
you don't get the actual access to the to the name of the patient, so to say, but you get the data. It's you know, it's verifiable. Yeah. I mean, it's verified. Kind of like that. So this is yeah. a, a hybrid okay. hybrid system. You can have either public data. So if, if it's mm-hmm. totally open peer review with open participation, so all the data public, you 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 don't want to hide it. Uh, it will be in public. But if you uh, have some uh, reason to hide it, like in the, in the grants uh, management, let's say, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can do it like in verifiable credentials will still allow to utilize this data for calculating uh, these indexes and adding some more metadata to open, uh, uh, to open network. So this also aids the collaboration, right? So if you want to collaborate and share data, you can use the same system in a way without revealing yeah. revealing the, without that means open data but not open to anybody yeah that's right and we are now working also on one pilot with the um, EOS innovation hub on uh, uh, fair data assessment mm-hmm. okay um but that's not everything that your company is doing, right? I mean, you because I, if I got this impression, like just looking at your website, and also, um, I mean, um, I met. I think when you just started, I'm we met at the um, Open Bar Camp. Mm-hmm. Someone from your company was. I think it was Anne. Anne was there, yeah. um, and I remember it was just starting basically. And um, what she talked about was that it's also for collaborating on scientific projects, and yeah. that would yeah. be the way to kind of get the contributions sorted fairly and so on can you tell us a bit more about that yeah so that's uh, uh, just also a bit like more background on the project so we have a modular system and this like assessment system is our core model uh, but it's not enough to like make a full uh, full platform and uh, what you're talking about is our module for tracking contributions so we mm-hmm basically created also a system which allows to uh, track uh, how much each specific person contributed to each specific project and uh, and it's used also in uh, to more efficiently distribute reputational rewards uh, for be- between them how exactly do you do that we have um, a system uh, we we call it like um, state channel uh, I I just trying to not be too technical, uh, so yes, but please <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's basically when you have um, let's say a document and you have multiple authors there. So every there every change within this document, every contribution within this document is signed with a uh, digital uh, key. Uh, so you can see from which person it came, and eventually. Uh, Based on the contributions within uh, this document, system calculates the percentage of contribution, and it, and it can, can have different models. So it's not necessary that you just have um, uh, how to say who wrote the more text. It's not necessarily like that. You can have like different assessment model of how to determine uh, who had like the most impactful contribution, but the the most important uh, infrastructure part here is that to have this trace uh, log uh, of all the contributions from everyone to see who did what, and then based on this information, produce this kind of distribution of con- uh, percentage of contributions 
for each specific person uh, and it's just for one file but uh, uh, the project consists multiple files but i can imagine this works very well for uh projects where it's very clear okay so like three people come together and each one mm-hmm. has an expertise in something else and they do a project together and then it's clear okay so they do different things but it's contributing and um, basically can calculate the percentages of the contribution and so on. But how do you, do you take into account things like, I mean, for example, in life sciences research, uh, it's mm-hmm. a bit more complicated because, well, you have to have, for example, lab infrastructure, and this mm-hmm. has to have to be established by someone before you can even start a project. So you usually have this, this figure of uh, the group leader, the PI, who is by some like, oh, they're not doing anything. They just becoming authors on my paper without, you know, lifting a finger, but actually they acquired the grant and, you know, came up with a larger framework that you can actually do your work and so on. Is this also attributed somehow or do you have, have you even, or is this just really just like hands on doing something? Yeah. So we, uh, like within a system like this kind of, uh, we call it experts contribution index or scientific contribution index, which a composite uh, uh, index in, can be disassembled into multiple uh, dimensions, like impact contribution or commercialization contribution, or like if you acquire grant, it's can it also another type of contribution. But uh, we are mostly focused on intellectual contributions. Um, mm-hmm. like we because it's something like it's the hardest thing to assess the hardest things to measure so we trying to solve the problem was to measure something which is intangible and uh, to by measuring this we kind of um, allowing more efficiently distribute rewards and build more efficient incentive system for people to write research do a replication study do a review and uh, and allow this uh, stakeholder to tune the system in a way which will incentivize a necessary type of contribution in a specific discipline. That in one discipline it will be it will it will be more important uh, to uh, do replication study, and that this type of contribution will have a higher weight uh, for 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 reputational reward. But in another discipline, it's, uh, it's there is a lack of review. And doing review will be more rewarding than in another discipline, for example. Okay, so it takes into account all kinds of uh, contributions. It's not just like, I don't know, I'm just thinking about the project outside of the science world, but like, I don't know, uh, building a house and then well, you have to have a plumber, you have to have someone who plays the bricks, you have to have someone who comes and, I don't know, does the floors. Yeah. And So, okay. Um, does it work, Alex? Do, I mean, are people using this? Do you have clients yeah, basically so now, for this kind of yeah, module? Now, now, now we do. We're still in the kind of deeper and deep stage, but we already have paid uh, paid pilots. So we uh, we already have uh, a number of pilots. Some of them are not paid, but some of them paid. But we still not in the phase when we can scale it on a production very easily. So we still tune the model uh, during these pilots, but it, the, we already see that model works. Uh-huh. And um, so the the motivation for people to, to work like that together would be to just show the, basically the contribution. So it's visible, right, and transparent. So when you then later maybe apply for a patent from the project or something, then it's clear who contributed what, right? That would be the incentive or are there any others? Um, so for 
individuals, uh, it's uh, uh, so individuals follow the is any sensitive system uh, which is uh, major, kind of which is popular, which is uh, 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 kind of works on, on on a big enough scale. And uh, the reason why we try to build a system which will be um, rewarding all type of contributions because this is this is exact problem uh, uh, which holds like science also from advancing faster uh, from our point of view but also we discussed it with the european commission uh, head of open science in the european commission and they see exactly the same things that now only uh, publications uh, mostly publications are rewarded and other types of contribution are not that rewarded so that's why everyone chase to publish uh, like pub- basically like publish of publish it's a uh, a huge problem and uh, uh, but in order to switch the system from current to the next one we need like it, it it's not gonna happen like easy because there are, should be stakeholders who will commit uh, for for new incentive system and it will be and it's gonna be collaboration between public and public uh, private sector and uh, our part is uh, still I think many years when it's gonna be like uh, it might when when it might be a, a major uh, assessment and it's incentive system uh, for science like at least in some region uh, because it's uh, it, uh, we first need to convince some stakeholders to try it internally uh, to see value then we will join all the stakeholders to one network and only then we can say that. Uh, it's it really uh, kind of a major system in some region uh, for for scientific research assessment. I was just thinking, like something that just came to my mind that this is basically like altmetrics, but on blockchain. Like I mean, can really it's it's more transparent than any of the altmetrics systems that have been out there so far mm-hmm. because yeah. it's everything is documented, right? And centrally like accessible. It's in one one folder basically just distributed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You can um, think about this actually as a infrastructure for the altmetrics because we don't propose just a model. We propose an infrastructure where you can where everyone can see how this specific altmetric is calculated, but also you can uh, fork this altmetric. You can Download it, change a bit, adjust it for a specific discipline, for example, or for your specific needs, uh, and deploy it also to this infrastructure. And and some people might start using yours, not the default one. Hmm. Do you feel like in the two and a half years of um, doing this, that there is some kind of upwind that you're getting more momentum? Like, uh, do you feel yeah. that something is happening? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that such initiatives like Plan S uh, and uh, is is advancing uh, world field and helping us. I, I see that there is a lot of movement with open science. That uh, um, open science career development is also becoming more important for universities. Uh, but uh, it's still very, very slow. So we came from, um, so some of us uh, were from academia, but we still were mostly working in private sector. And we're, uh, and as a startup, you have to be like very fast. And we see that the change in open science uh, and in scientific enterprises taken like very, very slow. 
I was thinking about the fact that not everything happens digitally. And if you're trying to create a system that rewards all contributions, is there not a danger in that if all contributions are seen as something that can be put together in, in the digital world only? Uh, I didn't get it really question. So you, you, you're asking like if there's... Uh... Uh, only digital contribution is it a problem or yeah or... exactly like i mean because a lot of the things happen also when you're in collaboration with someone sitting there and talking about something that's something i don't know i mean or if you're in the lab then you're contributing by doing experiments and that is not something that you can necessarily put in the digital world or am i mistaken yeah, yeah, there we, yeah we, we just have an assumption that everything's going to be digital anyway like if you if you do an experiment in the in the lab it's, you still will have to push your results uh, to the digital, some digital infrastructure. Well, I guess it's difficult to quantify. I mean, yeah, it's it's only quant it only works for quantifiable things, right? And things that you can actually have some kind of output that it's yeah, you can be put in the digital world. But I, I, I guess I'm um, understanding mm. Zoe's question more as than let's see, you have two people having conversation about something, and then. Mm -hmm. Um, someone, you know, one of these people has an idea and this idea is in the room, kind of, and then the other person is acting on that, upon that idea, not even consciously, but it's just like something that's there. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I don't know, when you have this thing, like, uh, all of a sudden, all kids' name is Max or something, and you think mm -hmm. it's super original because you picked that name, but it's actually <laughs> been in the air, you know? Like, um, yeah. this is not possible to track with a system like that, right? I mean, the ideas, kind of ideas development, this is something that still has to be sorted out person yeah, to person. There are definitely going to be some gap between uh, not digital and digital world, but um, I think most of this going to be tracked digitally, even the thing you just described. I mm. think like in future we will have, uh, like we will be completely okay uh, having like everything, what we say, recorded because we will know that this infrastructure uh, is um, built in a way that we own our data. Uh, mm -hmm. So, uh, and uh, nobody can access it without our permission. So we will be recording almost everything what's, ha what's happening with us, with our body, with uh, what we say, what we do, uh, just because to make, just to make ourselves more efficient uh, and, uh, use AI to analyze what we do and suggest like better <laughs> some better decisions in future. So that's why I I truly believe that everything's gonna be digital, but uh, in it it then it, it's gonna take some time. And from what I see like in tech world, like um, uh, there's already most of things are digital. Like in there's like collaboration reports uh, or, or almost everything like we do we then report in a digital format um, and uh, it, it, and just science uh, in science it takes a bit longer to to get it I don't know why exactly but it it looks like it's just a bit, a bit more conservative in in terms of uh, digital tools yeah I think it's uh, like we always do some extra effort and um, even now I think there's a lot of extra effort in any any field any industry and uh, i think in science like grants application could be like you know 
uh, also a lot of extra effort during uh, writing grants and like applying for grants. I think it's not uh, the most useful utilization of scientist time. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to be like very, very, very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I think that uh, uh, there are gonna be sometimes like there are gonna be some gaps uh, in terms of how efficient it is to digitalize everything. But I think eventually it will be very efficient and it will be very rewarding for doing this, and everyone will feel this benefit of digitalizing everything they do i really like what you said about that in the future world i mean i'm a big fan of star trek um and i'm like oh yeah i like this techno uh technological future thinking basically but uh it totally resonates with me but i was thinking because you said yeah well in the future everybody will own their own data and you as a actual uh you know data scientist specialist do you have any idea how this can be done yeah, sure. So it's it's not about data science. It's also about verifiable creation and self-sovereign identity. So basically, uh, there is kind of encryption scheme when you own your data and it's publicly registered and you cannot lie uh, about you not having it. Uh, but you also cannot, uh, uh, and you and anyone can do a query. Like let's say you have your data, like your age. Uh, and you don't want to disclose it, and you want to enter uh, a bar, and they ask you, are you older than uh, 21? And you don't need to disclose your age, you just need to disclose that you're older than 21. And you basically receive the, their query in a cryptographic way, it, and it runs on top of data, and just gives a result like true or false. And, uh, the, and the person doesn't know your age, but he just lets you in. And and this system might, might be even more comprehensive. It can use not only your data, but all the, uh, not, not only your age, but all the data available and run more sophisticated query. And this query can take also into account, did you commit a crime before or are there any legal restriction for you to come in into uh, public places? And it will just uh, ask this very comprehensive query and we receive an answer. And it will even don't know uh, what resulted false? If it resulted false, what uh, is it? Your age, or is it because you committed a crime, or whatever? So that's that's basic concept how it's gonna work. I don't think I got it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, okay, let maybe more concrete. Okay, so, for example, in Sweden, all the data um, about citizens and any authorities. Um, state authorities, communal authorities, basically it's all open and everybody can do a query. So mm -hmm. if I want to know, if you would be a Swedish person living in Sweden, uh, I could go to the tax office and ask, mm -hmm. well, this guy, Alex Kor, I would like to know, um, I would like to know more about him. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I mean, there's a certain limit of what can be shared, mm -hmm. but I can pretty much find out very, everything about you, how much yeah. tax you're paying every year, uh, where you live, your age, yeah. um, you know, I mean, all kinds of, I mean, short of medical records, I think pretty much yeah. everything. So, um, and this is something that um, so far people have been okay with in Sweden because yeah. it's also, it's also the, all the, um, for example, any, any state documents, everything, it has to be open. So you always have the right to look into the, you know, deck of cards 
of the state, basically. Mm -hmm. You can always pick. Um, so is this something, what you're talking about, that this would be kind of done, but encrypted? So yes. I'm just trying to, to understand. Uh, it's a bit different. So what you're talking about is uh, that our society will be becoming more and more open. Like it's, uh, it's, in Sweden, it's a perfect example of one of the most open uh, government and society in the world. Uh, and uh, it's, it's another thing that we, uh, like, we, we're still going to have some data private anyway, uh, but we're going to be opening more data, like as uh, government do in Sweden, but we also will still have some data private. But we will have uh, tools to analyze both public data and private data. And the private data will not be stored on... Uh, it, 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 it will not be... Uh, accessed even by government without your permission. So there will be mm -hmm. some kind of permission level. So let's say a data which is completely open, a data which is uh, uh, permissioned to specific institutions, and the data which you only own and you only have an access and everyone has to request an access in order to pr process it. But how is the difference? I'm just thinking, I mean, that's not so much uh, maybe topic of open science, but I find it extremely interesting anyways. Or maybe it has something to do with open science as well. But basically, I mean, every time I do a Google search, I'm kind of giving Google the permission to, to use my data, right? So no, um, you, uh, you don't give Google the permission. Google has a lot of data from, from you and in it uh, accumulates it and you can try to delete it, but it's not necessarily going to work. No, no, I know, but I'm basically every time I choose to use Google, um, I am basically making more or less conscious choice of, uh, well, I'm giving my data away, right? Yeah. By using this search engine. But also every time I pay with a credit card in a store, mm -hmm. grocery store, I'm also making a choice of giving that data away, right? I mean, yeah. there is all these decisions we do all the time. And um, and not only we're giving away the actual data, but also uh, we are totally clueless about the use of this data, right? So mm -hmm. what Google does with the data, we kind of well, we understand more and more. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, all like what what does uh, now a, uh, I don't know, the grocery chain, um, whatever, XY, um, using the credit card, uh, you know, what we bought in a store on any given day, um, what they do with that, we also don't know really. I mean, it's like it's a it's a black box, right? Or all yeah. these fitness trackers and so on. We just sign off basically what, yeah. 23Me, you know. And so, um, so you're suggesting that basically we would have a better control over this kind of um, data because we will be asked all the time? Yeah, kind Can of. Can this be managed? Yeah. <laughs> Manage, you mean like, will it be convenient for you? Yeah, exactly. Ah, because yeah. if so, I'm asked, like, I mean, you know, for me, it's a way too much if I'm asked at the salad bar, you want tomato or cucumber or whatever, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, and then just, yeah. Yeah, just give me a salad, you know? <laughs> yeah, so you, you're going to just have a choice. Now you don't have a choice, you're going to have a choice. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so. but I, I can also elect to just not, not to use this choice and probably most people would do that just out of like yeah, yeah. convenience, you can, right? You're going to have choice just to have like full convenience and no privacy and go like, okay, every, anyone can use my data or like this institution can use my data without asking a permission anymore. So you give me permission to not ask a permission in future and uh, and you can run any um, uh, machine learning models, AI models on top of my data. I, I don't care. Like uh, just 
just don't ask me. I don't want to have uh, any uh, dis- disruption from from the from this uh, activity. But someone but would, if- yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in order for this to work, you would have to be like every human would have to be um, using like the fair data principles, right? I mean, our data has to be fair so that it can be usable, like for yeah, anything. It, it has to be structured. So fair, it's uh, it's it's in science, and it's it just has to have some structure. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, could you maybe okay. give this example? You gave the example of the bar, and I can totally understand this. So I'm walking there, and I think in my cell phone, I'm already have it linked. I have I don't know if it's an app or whatever, yeah. and I want to go in the bar, and the, my cell phone and talks to the whatever it is there that is assessing my data, and then it says, ah, you made too many Google searches for a political party that we don't like, so inquiry, no, you uh, cannot come into the bar. Or yeah. everything fits, matches, you can come into the bar. Could you make an example that is not based on the bar, but that is based on research and innovation? Yeah, sure, sure. So I'll give you an example on one we are working right now. So imagine there is a research on climate change which suggests that it's real uh and and there is like 100 reviews like from open review uh from people some are anonymous some are not but they are all done through this system so we can have verifiable credentials for every reviewer and every reviewer also in in their verifiable credential let's say it happens in the united states and some of them like or most of them have uh in their verifiable credentials they are like preferred party uh, like is it Republican or Democrats? And what what is uh, happening now in in United States that uh, Republicans just say that uh, uh, okay, all this uh, research which says uh, that uh, climate change is real, uh, it's done by liberal institutions uh, with uh, only Democrats, and they have political agenda, not scientific agenda. We don't trust them. And you say, okay, no problem. We run a query which show a demographics of how many Republican, but, uh, Republicans researchers participate in review and suggested that climate change is real without revealing their identity, but having like a full bullet, bulletproof, cryptographic proof that uh, the result we get, let's say that there are like uh, uh, 50 uh, of participants were Republicans and like 45 of them suggested that it's real. Uh, so and you can run this query without revealing any identity and revealing any uh, uh, political preferences of any reviewer. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's one of kind of infrastructure possible with such technology. Okay. Um, so it has a huge political effect. Yeah, it, it you're gonna have huge political effect. But it will support the truth. It will support science, like because it will avoid uh, eliminate uh, political polarization from science, political bias. Well, I mean, I'm not Ho- sure. You know, I mean, theoretically, yeah, because you know, um, um, anything, you know. Um, well, Earth is not flat. No, but it is. You know, I mean, there's always this, like, if you don't want, yeah. if you engage in this kind of um, belief system instead of knowledge system discussion, then it's it's very easy to shift the goalposts. So even if you prove, okay, now Republicans also, Republican researchers actually do uh, think that climate change is real, 
Uh, yeah, but they're probably uh, bought by a Big Pharma. I don't know. I mean, you can, you can always... Uh... <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's another thing to address within the system. And uh, you you cannot eliminate, like, full bias with mm-hmm. the, just this technology. It's just a technology to get closer to full elimination of the bias. Uh, and, ah. yeah so it's uh, so the, the human is always there <laughs> like whatever we do technologically there's always that you cannot eliminate the fool with um, technology i think it's really it's it's very well said you know yeah it's uh, yeah. unless the technology starts programming itself yeah <laughs> okay um alex what's next with your company i mean um where, where do you envision your um like what would be the best case scenario for you like how would the world look like in terms of open science and yes yeah. yeah, so, so we uh, uh so, so what's next and what we envision it's a bit different thing because next is unfortunately is not the, uh, uh still not what we envision i think it's still going to have like take some time to de- deliver our vision uh but i think uh, what is the next is uh, what we're looking for we're looking for a rather big pilot. So we're now doing a, a bunch of small pilots, but we want to get like rather big pilot, which will show on a big enough scale the efficiency of the system or how agile it is, how flexible it is, and uh, how powerful it is. And But eventually what we want, we want a system uh, for fair rewards for any contributor for to scientific enterprise, to... Uh, scientific ecosystem, but also to uh, technology transfer, okay, like a knowledge transfer ecosystem, because it's very important not only to do a research, but also to incentivize a transition it uh, to the next level, uh, to the kind of closer to um, to implementation level. And now it's also kind of a problem. But we see that it's possible, and with a fully transparent and traceable assessment system which will reward all types of contributions and will be adjust uh, adjustable and flexible it's possible mm-hmm. is there a lot of competition there i mean for your company idea kind of i mean other other people basically oh, the question maybe should be phrased but differently but are there a lot of people thinking like you and working kind of different yeah. different approaches like building these infrastructures and yeah, I see that a lot of people are thinking the same way. Uh, there's not much competition for us. I think what in terms of what we're doing, there is no competition. But we, if we compare some parts, there are some people who are doing the same thing. But it's, I think we are re- really lack competition here because it's very complex problem, and the market is um, not very rewarding for startups because it's too long term game. And it's too complex domain to understand for most of the investors. That's why most of um, startups don't and like entrepreneurs don't really want to deal with these problems because it's kind of really really complex and it's um, and it's very hard to change it. Like step by step, you need to build a kind of very big shift and like kind of come to this very big shift and. and uh, and that can decrease uh, a, a risk of a failure dramatically. So I think that's, this is the most risky business uh, I could ever start. 
So, but uh, it's still, it's very interesting one. Uh, but I see a lot of people in uh, in science, in innovation management, in uh, uh, science policy makers uh, who thinks the same way and who understands the value and who uh, help us actually, who help us a lot to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So how you how you get to finance? I mean, because you you probably also run. I mean, just as you said, you surely run to the problem that you're trying to solve. That there's not many people actually understanding, like in depth, what you're yeah. doing, right? That's right. So we <laughs> kind of uh, solving the problem. We we are tackling also ourselves, uh, and it's yeah, it's very hard to fundraise for such company. Uh, but still, uh, we've got some investors, uh, and there we we realized in there there are many visionary people in the world who uh, really can understand the concept and who can see the value uh, and so it, it's there are some it's, it's still hard to find them so there are like many but there are like many compared to like single person but if compared to the world world population it's not 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 much uh, and in terms of funding, I myself invested uh, first money in the company. My uh, co-founders also invested, uh, and we ra- raised some more money from other investors. Uh, so, for example, one of our investor is um, co-founder of EPUM System. Uh, EPUM Systems is ex-scientist who became uh, entrepreneur, and they built a company which worth now 14 billion. Uh, wow. So and uh, and he left it almost I think ten years ago or eight years ago, and uh, he also decided to support us. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we have some other uh, investors. Uh, one of them uh, is inventor of liquid democracy, which is also close to the concept of uh, our kind of reputational system or expert contribution index system. Uh, but it's more meritocratic kind of uh, government system. So that's why he also got interested into our project and invest money. And uh, and we're still fundraising. So we're constantly in a fundraising mode. And we're also now applying for some grants. We already received one small grant. Uh, and uh, we see that there's a possibility to get more funding for such problem. I mean, this is something like the the holy grail of like what everybody's looking. I mean, the kind of objective meritocracy, right? Because yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, theoretically, we are living in a meritocratic system, right, mm-hmm. in academia. But uh, the more we look in detail of it, um, the less uh, objective meritocracy <laughs> it is. Actually, yeah, it's, meritocracy very um, depends on the on on the measure system. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh yeah, that's like that's uh, just thinking about AI. It's like garbage in, garbage out. It's like impact factor in, garbage out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. How much does it cost then? Because I'm thinking, you know, there's all these countries. Um, I've been just giving a lecture for the Ukrainian uh, summer school and mm-hmm. teaching Ukraine last summer. I know uh, we talked to some people from Africa who are doing open science there. I mean, all this. Um, you know, solutions that work for the Western world um, usually don't really work for the countries where there's not that much money for research and mm-hmm. science and so on. So is this something that people could be 
able to afford to use in uh, those countries? I wouldn't, so, I wouldn't call it, yeah, I mean, yeah. So uh, in, in terms of uh, infrastructure, which we uh, envision to deliver, it's uh, we envision it uh, as a public good, so th- which is going to be owned and managed by a non-profit consortium, like international non-profit consortium. And uh, our company will be making money basically on uh, helping integrating this system into a legacy system. Uh, so, and but if you don't have money to do this, like with us, you can do it yourself with the open source tools, uh, which we also will deliver. Uh, but we, it's one of our values. We want to make it very not restrictive so that uh, anyone will have an access even without money they will have kind of a choice of how to integrate it even if they have zero money they will still be able to do it themselves Wow, <laughs> I'm kind of overwhelmed. Uh, that was a lot of tech things to understand. I, I sound like a little Barbie doll, like, oh, so much technology, I don't understand. But it was really... Oh, then I should probably not even say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it when people just, like, find solutions, or, like, at least, you know, like, really doing something. Uh, I, I think it was on such a, such a level of... Um expertise or such a problem that I have so little to do with that my mind is still trying to wrap around it. But I find this idea of to be able to help innovators be able to deliver their breakthroughs by um, having an assessment service and process. I find it really interesting. The only thing that I see is a little bit of a danger is you have, we have so many different kind of platform platforms or services that are going on that they only really work if a lot of people are are signed up and, and doing them, right? So the idea of having a expert that reviews something that all of the all of the open all of the review is done by an open peer review and that they're scored, it all totally makes sense. It's only the fact of getting the people on board to do that. So um, let's say there is a uh, preprint server and there is a uh, some other I don't know, research gate uh, where you do some kind of reviewing, liking, voting, something. I don't know, you don't really do that on research gate, but you know what I mean. Like basically some kind of all kinds of these platforms where you can uh, peer review in different ways. Mm-hmm. If And there can be also journals, like normal, closed, well, normal, not normal, uh, closed journals. <laughs> we don't call them normal. Closed <laughs> journals. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Close journals that do peer review, if they all using the same platform to document the the review, the same kind of technological solution to do that, then the front end doesn't have to be the same, kind of right. It doesn't matter because all the and there you, there you have the numbers in diversity. So basically, that not everybody has to be kind of working the same way. They just have to document it the same process so is this a way of getting rid of the impact factor 
well, it's a different impact factor, right? I mean, it would have been called something else. But, I mean, I found it really interesting, this idea of, like, because altmetrics has been so much criticized. Like, okay, so if impact factor is not a good metric, that we already agreed on that, like everybody agrees on that, that's not the best way to measure quality. So what is a good measure? And I think people have tried to come up with all kinds of ideas for altmetrics, um, but it's never really objective and it can always be gamed and i think this thing of having it in this transparent weighted mode it's maybe more difficult to to game it you know um i thought it was also very very impressive that it's an open science solution and an open innovation solution that's not just trying to tackle one problem or let's say it's trying to tackle one problem but it has so many different products to do that Mm -hmm. so you have on the one side the open peer review, and then on the other side, trying to be able to trace and track contributions. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's um, the word in German is allumfassend. What's the word in English? All encompassing. All encompassing. Exactly. Um, and then there was one thing that I realized, like as a social scientist, I guess I have my lens of looking at open science and collaboration is always like a thing of working together, that it's not so much about the the single individual contribution towards the end goal. It's about every individual contribution comes to be collaborating. I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Like I'm okay. I'm going to start over again. (laughs) Looking from my social science lens, I always have seen collaboration maybe with a certain sense of, it's more about the team that creates it than the individual. And I've always seen that that's something that open science is going to change the way that we perceive that, that it's more about the end product than the individual who's contributing to it. And I, I was thinking that's always yeah. going to be a problem because the scientific system is always based on who has done it. And so with this kind of being able to track the contributions, we're going back to that same system somehow of every single individual is contributing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm just thinking um, that there is no contradiction in it because the, the end product is the important thing. I mean, you know, the innovation or the scientific insight or, you know, cure for something, which is also innovation. But, you know, I mean, of course, that's the most important thing, but it's the individuals who make careers, right? To get tenure, that get the next job, that are allowed to stay in science because they've contributed, you know? Yeah, I and think I, I think... always had this, like, kind of naive vision that open science at some point was going to get a little bit less competitive in that sense, and it was more everybody working together and, and that we're going to change the system somehow, that it's not about who's the first author on the paper, yeah, but that's exactly the thing. It's not going to be... I think that's actually what's really nice about the system because you don't have to be the first author on the paper. You just have to be clear like what you're contributing and what your expertise actually is, you know? Mm-hmm. And then maybe the, the merits will, you know, I mean, the basically will be judged differently. So it's not just counting first authorships, but actually maybe, you know, you contributed to, I don't know, 100 different projects and not just two, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a, I think it's a nice system because in the end, it's still people have to, you know, have to go to work and feed themselves and, you know, the work has to pay and there's not enough, maybe there is enough resources, I don't know. But, I mean, that's a different question maybe. But in the system as we are now, there, there's definitely not enough resources for everybody to do science like this 
17th, 18th century way of just like, I do whatever I want, you know, and no constraints because I'm wealthy and and I mean, money has to come from somewhere. The science has to be funded, especially life sciences. Natural science are expensive because it's lab-based. So, of course, not everybody can do it in the end. And how do you select? You know, how, how, do, you, how do you give a job to this person, that other person? And this is a question that always arises in open science, right? And yeah. I feel like this is, this is the most concrete solution that I've heard so far. Yeah, me too. It's, I mean, that's, that was the thing. That's why I really wanted to talk to them because, like, oh, yeah. This is like the first time where there's some kind of, you know, yeah, getting away from this first authorship and the impact factor and and progression, career progressions. And like the, yeah, the merits are actually the meritocratic system as an objective one and not kind of narrative. Yeah, I still have a hard time getting my, my head around that everything can be digitalized, I guess. Well, but if you have this utopian um, or some people dystopian vision of, you know, that basically anything, like, you know, now we're talking and we're bouncing ideas, you know, more or less valuable ideas, you know, but it's being recorded and will be aired, you know, and it's like once it's out there, it's for everybody to listen to and take up and do something with it. And I guess this is something, you know, maybe you in the future will be just have a chip in your brain and be like recording everything anyways. I mean, your brain is recording everything anyways, right? It's just sorting out the garbage now and then. But so if anybody has a great idea because they've listened to us bouncing ideas back and forth, we want credit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but maybe in that case, we won't be credited because it's just something that's in the air, you know? Right. That's that's an interesting thing. This fact of things that are just in the air and that get picked up and, uh, and you yeah. can't find credit for that. I really enjoyed the conversation. I feel like yeah. it widened it widened my um, perspective of open science and it made a lot of things a little bit more concrete. Uh-huh. Yeah, for me too. So it if there's anybody out there listening uh, who wants to support Alex... Yeah. Then uh, we want credit. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, on that note, well, thank you for listening. This was another episode from the Orion Open Science Podcast funded by the European Commission through the Orion Open Science Project. Um, If you would like to get in touch, you can write us an email, orion at mdc-berlin.de or follow us on Twitter at OOSP underscore OrionPod. And the music was produced and recorded by Fabio de Miguel. And our sound editor, Paul Oliveira, does an amazing job of cleaning up our files here. Yes, that is true. Thank you, Paolo. Thank you, Paolo. So, see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.